The Well of Grief by poet David White. Those who will not slip beneath the still surface on the well of grief, turning down through its black water to the place we cannot breathe, to the place we cannot breathe, will never know the source from which we drink, the secret water cold and clear the secret water cold and clear nor find in the darkness glimmering the small round coins thrown by those who wished for something else thrown by those who wished for something else Poetry is language against which we have no defenses. That's David White, the wonderful poet. And that language has always resonated with me, whether I was in therapy or working in the church or just focusing on my own life through writing poetry. There's something about the images and the flow and the way the words work on your soul that cause you not to be able to push it away. Poetry hits you in a way that that nothing else does. So what I want to do in this episode is work my way through the poem that you listened to at the very beginning The Well of Grief by David White. And and here's the thing. I, I don't know if poetry has meaning or I, I know it definitely doesn't have one meaning. This gets into, you know, how to interpret poetry and symbolism and even some post-structuralist, post-modern approaches to things that I tend to resonate with. What did the author intend and and all of that stuff? So I don't know exactly if David White would resonate with my interpretation of his poem, but I think there's aspects to it that he might, aspects that he wouldn't, and that's okay with me. So I'm not pretending to give you the one right interpretation or meaning. I'm, I'm wanting to sit with it with you and to explore how the poem works on my soul and and maybe bring in some aspects from my past and from my current therapy. Uh, and And I hope this is a helpful exploration for you. The first two lines, those who will not slip beneath the still surface on the well of grief. Those who will not slip beneath the still surface on the well of grief. Now, I'm wanting to read and meditate on this poem with you 
with a specific lens, with a type of bias. I, I want to think about this poem in light of some of the work that I do in therapy with men. So when I read those lines, those who will not slip beneath the still surface on the well of grief, I'm definitely thinking of the men that I work with. I'm thinking of myself years ago when I first started my own therapy journey and how scared I was, how reluctant I was to go down and even begin the journey of confronting the darker emotions in me, how nervous I was to let myself experience the grief that was so deeply lodged down within my psyche. And why are men so reluctant to go down and experience their grief? And let me just say, when, when we're talking about grief, it's not just one experience or one emotion. I think grief has a type of constellation of various different emotions, primarily negative emotions. And I think the reason why men are, are so scared of their grief, this great doctor and relational cultural thinker, Stephen Bergman, talks about men's relational dread and, and what he means by relational dread for men is that when men anticipate having to express vulnerability or enter a potential process where they're going to have to not only confront how they're feeling inside, but also talk about it, all of these things come up for them, probably from their past when they were young boys and then adolescents, when things at home would happen that shouldn't have happened or they were bullied at school and emotions did come out and emotions were felt and emotions were expressed, they were shot down, they were shamed, they were bullied into not feeling and not expressing and so now as adults, we men, when we come to the well of grief and we're invited to jump in and experience those black waters, we're filled with dread, we're terrified. We don't want to do it. We don't know how to do it. And we need help. In this second line, turning down through its black water to the place we cannot breathe. As you enter the well of grief, 
you go down through the black water to the place we cannot breathe. I think that's just the perfect way to describe how men feel the fear that runs through their veins when they think about sitting with the negative emotions, experiencing grief. It's a place where they would drown, a place where they would suffocate. Men do not feel like they have the resources to breathe underwater, to tolerate the ambiguities and the uncertainties of being in the black, cold water. But I remember a mentor of mine when I was in my late 20s and early 30s who had gone through his own journey of grief when he was a younger man whose life had been turned upside down who had experienced things he never thought were possible who was sitting with me and some of the darkest times of my life when my life had been turned upside down and everything seemed backwards. He looked at me and he said, you may fear going into the waters. You may believe that you will drown and suffocate. But if you go there, and you go there with someone who can guide you through it, what you will discover is that the human spirit, the human psyche can actually breathe underwater. We develop gills, you could say, that help us to survive even in those black waters. And there is a way through there's a way out. We just have to be committed to the process. There's an act of faith or trust. There's a plunge that's necessary. But you know, as I was sharing with one of my clients earlier this week, while Joseph Campbell's hero's journey points out that only you alone as an individual can go on your own journey. It is not something that you can do alone. And that is one of the great paradoxes of a man's existence. Only he can decide to drop into the well of grief and navigate the black waters and reach the place where he fears he cannot breathe. But I don't think that he can do that alone. It can be a mentor. 
It can be a good therapist, a psychoanalyst, a spiritual leader, a shaman, someone that joins him in his journey exploring his grief. This is something that's relational. This is something that's really important to highlight. Again, it's the great paradox of individuation, you could say. You are unfolding into a radical, unique singularity. You are an individual person, and yet you do not exist alone. You do not exist apart from the community, the tribe, those that surround and support you. But in this particular journey of grief, it has to be done with another. Another who's been there, who knows the way, and who can help support you throughout the entire process. Now, if we say that grief is a constellation and not one single emotional experience, then the brightest star in that constellation is surely loss. So when we talk about grief, we're talking about a profound sense of loss. Now, I know in common parlance, when we think about grief, we think about death, the death of a loved one, the death of a family member. And that's something we've all gone through at some level, maybe the death of a pet. But grief is much more than just the experience of bereavement. Grief is about loss. In the field of affective neuroscience, thinkers talk about our care system as humans. This is a a system that evolved to enable us to experience deep connections with our kin. And it's associated with feelings of warmth and confidence that usually come from our relationships with caregivers and other secure attachments. Now within this field of affective neuroscience, they also want to highlight the opposite of the care system, which is what they call the grief system, which is obviously associated with the opposite of secure attachment. It's connected to disconnection, associated with feelings of loss and loneliness, anguish, and even panic when we are not connected to our loved ones, when our secure attachments have dissolved. So what I see in my therapy office when I'm working with a man who is in a profound state of grief, who is at a neurological level captured by this grief system, is I see a man who is in a state of deep disconnection. And let me just say, this is unfortunately the story of most men today in the modern world, at least in Western culture. I'm thinking of the United States and Europe. There is a wonderful book that I would highly recommend anybody read who cares about men, who cares about the development of boys, entitled Deep Secrets, Boys, Friendships, and the Crisis of Connection by Niobe Way. 
And what Niobe Way points out is that just like girls, boys come into this world and even through elementary school, before adolescence, describe their experience as a human that needs and longs for connection, that has feelings and emotions, wants friendships. But in the beginning of adolescence, through middle school and high school and beyond, boys feel the intense pressure to man up, to not cry, to not be a pussy, to not be a homo. Connection, deep relationship, intimacy, vulnerability sadly gets coded as either gay or feminine. And these gender stereotypes that only women connect, only women experience vulnerability and intimacy and have profound relationships and connection. These gender st- stereotypes ruin the possibility for men to experience the very thing that they need the most. And so when I'm sitting with men in therapy, the profound grief that they are so afraid to acknowledge and to process, but that is there lodged deep in their psyche, is, is, I would argue, the profound disconnection that they have felt since adolescence. I want to highlight some of the types of loss that I see in my therapy office when I'm working with men, helping them to process their grief. One of the first ones that comes to mind, and this is true for me and I think most men, is the loss of childhood. And I think that can mean a variety of different things. But even as we look at the poem, The Well of Grief, it's using the image of a wishing well, right? At the end, David White discusses the small round coins thrown by those who wished for something else. And that's something that I want to actually get into a little bit later in this episode. But when I first read this poem, it brought up all these positive memories. When I was a kid, we would go to the mall or to a restaurant and there would always be a, a wishing well. And, and you know, we'd throw the coins in and make all kinds of fantastical wishes. Uh, you know, childhood for, for many of us was a time when the future was open. There was possibility. There was hope. There was the chance that something miraculous could happen. And I, and I think a lot of men in their grief, in their state of disconnection and loss are not in that space of fantasy or wishing or hope or marveling at the world. As we think about that grief system, they're in a state of sadness 
and loss and depression and anger and things seem pretty grim and pretty hopeless. I also think about the loss of a type of meaning or purpose. For some of us, this gets connected to religion and images of God. For as long as I've been a therapist, I've always worked with clients who have gone through a type of deconstruction of their faith. Maybe they were raised in a conservative religious home, whether that be Christian or Muslim or Jewish or Hindu. And as they developed and read and began to think critically about the world, they went through a type of crisis of faith. And that's a very painful and difficult process because it usually involves various layers of disconnection and loss, being disconnected from their family at times, sometimes their their partners, being severed from a tight-knit religious or spiritual community. This can be one of the most profound experiences of grief is being severed from your faith tradition. So I see that all the time in my therapy office. Another big one for so many of the men that I work with nowadays is the pain, the disconnection, the grief that comes with the dissolution of a romantic relationship. Sometimes that's, you know, early adults in their 20s who have broken up with a long term girlfriend and the anguish that results from that. But more often than not, I I help men navigate the dissolution of their marriage. And, you know, more and more I'm seeing men in their mid to late forties whose wives have been the ones who have strayed outside the marriage, who have had an affair, who have been unfaithful to the marriage bond. And this is absolutely crushing to the men. It sends them into a tremendous state of disorientation. And we have to talk through all the various layers of that process and that catastrophe at times. And, you know, with the breakup of a relationship with the divorce comes all kinds of loss, all these different shades of grief from future hopes of time with family at holidays in the future or places where they were going to retire to a deep pain and sadness over how this is going to affect the children if, if there are children in the family. To the men coming to grips with their own failures, their own shortcomings in the relationship and what they could have done differently. And the other type of loss that I see in men in my therapy office is what some psychoanalysts and psychotherapists call 
but grieving over our unlived lives. The loss of a type of fantasy of what could have been. Maybe it's the loss of potential. For many men that I work with, it's they got married early on in their life, 19, 20, 21. And now in their mid-40s, they're getting divorced or they're at the brink of the dissolution of the relationship. And they're wondering, what the fuck could my life have been like if I hadn't gotten married so early? Could I have found someone else, someone that was more compatible than my current partner? What if I had followed my dreams, my passions, instead of just conforming to what my father or mother wanted for me? So the loss of the unlived life is a tremendous one in the psyche of a lot of men. And I think one of the biggest ones, and it sounds so stereotypical to say, but I cannot lie to you or to myself and, and try to diminish this one. It's so palpable in the psyche of so many men that I work with is the loss, the grief over a relationship with the father. Oftentimes the literal earthly father, some fathers were just horrible assholes and beat my clients. Maybe there was a type of sexual abuse involved. More often than not, it was absent fathers, fathers who actually left the home and never came back or just distracted themselves and spent all their time at work quote-unquote, providing for the family, but not contributing to the emotional maturity of their sons. So there's a tremendous sense of loss and grief when it comes to relationship with the father. Now, going back a moment to the poem itself, I'm going to read it just very briefly again and then say a few remarks, and then we'll come to a close. Those who will not slip beneath the still surface on the well of grief, turning down through its black water to the place we cannot breathe, will never know, will never know the source from which we drink, the secret water cold and clear, nor find in the darkness glimmering the small round coins thrown by those who wished for something else. Thrown by those who wished for something else. Now, David White has spoken a little bit about the inspiration for this poem, and he quotes the 17th century Welsh mystic and philosopher Henry Vaughan, who has this incredible poem entitled The Night. And there's a line in The Night where Vaughan writes, There is in God, some say, a deep but dazzling darkness. And that image of the divine being ensconced 
or shrouded by a type of dazzling darkness is the very thing that led David White to reflect on the power of this process of grief. And and here's a few things that I want to say about that. In my understanding of psychotherapy, I'm ultimately aligning myself with what's called the depth psychological tradition, starting with Freud, Adler, Jung, and, and many others after that, where at the end of the day, we want to say that there is an unconscious dimension to the human person. There's, there's a depth dimension that we're not in control of that is at some level autonomous and spontaneous and creative and definitely outside of the rational control of the human ego. And, and there's various different ways to understand the unconscious. I won't get into all the debates. Mine is, is probably closest to someone like Carl Jung or maybe even Eric Fromm uh, with bits and pieces from, from James Hillman. But, but all those specifics don't really matter. Just, just know that, that we as humans have this depth dimension, which we're not in control of and which does have a type of power over us. And so when I'm working with men, inviting them to jump into the well of grief, inviting them, calling them to take that step of faith, to go down into themselves, into the black waters where they fear they cannot breathe, what they ultimately discover if they commit to the process, if they do the work, is they discover there is a source, a deep, mysterious source. We can even call that source God. Some would call it the self. Some would call it their true self, an inner resource. I think the language ultimately doesn't matter, but there's some deep unconscious reality that they can tap into. It's a secret water. It's cold and clear. And what they find are the small round coins that are a type of gift that I think ultimately help a man reintegrate with himself, expand his consciousness, unfold and develop more authentically into who he really is and who he could be. And this is, this is the goal. This is the, 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 the end point, you could say, of the work of processing grief in a space like psychotherapy. It's discovering your own inner divinity where you recognize that you can breathe underwater, that, that all the hopes and wishes and fantasies that used to be just thrown into the well, just hoping that the fantasy would come true, that all of that is actually not true But there's something about yourself, there's something about life that's much deeper, much richer, and far more beautiful. Now, I want to end with this wonderful quote from Robert Bly on grief. He says, if I don't have a connection to my grief, then where is my grounding? If I don't have a connection to my grief, then where is my grounding. 
Now, I'm not exactly sure what Bly means by this, what he meant when he first wrote it, but I do have some thoughts that I want to leave you with. The first one is this, and this actually goes back to the more evolutionary psychology perspective that we were getting into with the affective neuroscience. The fact that we have a grief system when we feel disconnected from our primary bonds and we start to fall into sadness and depression and panic. The fact that we have that system actually demonstrates that there's a prior, more important system, the care system. And so for for anyone out there who's in a place of darkness, who maybe has given up on any real meaning or purpose in their life, the fact that that is so difficult to bear, I think actually points to the reality that something is wrong, that it shouldn't be that way, that we actually were built, you could even say created, we have evolved to be humans on this planet where there's deep connection and satisfaction in the context of our relationships. So I think Bly is right. When you're connected to your grief, you are ultimately connected to a system that tells you you're built for something so much more. You're built for connection. But here's the other thing that I think Bly is getting at. If you don't have a connection to your grief, then where is your grounding? As men, we want to avoid this. This is a part of that that male relational dread. We want to avoid going into the well. We want to avoid being confronted by the black waters where we're afraid we're not going to be able to breathe. Because all of that has been socialized out of us. We've been told that we're weak or pussies. We're not man enough if we can't just be strong and push through. But really, that's a state where we're just floating. We're numb, we're dead inside, and we're disconnected. If you truly want to feel like you're on solid ground, if you want to feel like you are connected to something real, then stay close to your grief and find your inner resource, find your inner God, and discover that you were built for so much more.